0: SPF, and we're concluding this study of fitting into the body. And, uh, you know, depending on where you go, uh, fitting into the body usually is a, when you think about it in terms of most Americans, you think about it in terms of, like, how you feel about fitting into the body. Um, And so that's not really what we've been talking about. We've been talking about more doctrinal aspects of it. The body is important, and fitting into it is important, but not just at a social level, I mean God has a purpose for every member of the body and so um the interaction that we have with one another uh is most important uh, just like uh, the body and the, the physical body right every if you don't have a uh an arm it's going to be like uh you don't have a hand you're like how can I scratch the top of my head you know you need you need all the body parts ooh something fell out of my head sorry about that um uh, uh, <laughs> so, so, I don't know where that came from but anyway Look like a piece of paper or something. I don't know. So, um, so in this lesson, we're talking about true love and true uh, forgiveness and true repentance. But before we get into all of that, uh, we've already covered uh, provision and protection, uh, our function, which is our place in the local church, our relation, our relationships with God and others, and that really, the third one, really touches on a lot of how we feel about one another and all of those things. The identification who God says you are, the truth over how we feel, and then mission and vision, what God calls us to do, uh, and interaction, which is what we are now, touching the lives of others with the Word of God. So ultimately that's what we want to do, is uh, touch the lives of others with the Word of God. And so we've, we've covered all of those, um, and we've touched on true love, in that we talked on how the love of God is pure, and it's selfless, and it is, um, and we talked about some of the, you know, how the word in John three sixteen is uh, tra- translated agapeo, uh, and that's that love is based in morality. Um, and agape love is not limited just to the Godhead. That's love that we can also experience. Um, we talked about point B, how other types of love are mentioned in the Bible. Um, there's, uh, let me get to that. Agape, stor, Storgi, I think is how I, I pronounce that. Storgi, Storgi. It uh, doesn't look like Storgi, but that's how you pronounce it. Kindly affectionate. And that's a, uh, uh, Philostorgos. Philos, Philos is like Philadelphian love. And so that's a kind of combination there of kindly affection. There's Phileo, and then there's er, Eros, which is, uh, Philadelphian love is brotherly love. And I, and I mentioned in my teaching that uh, eros, of course, we're familiar with erotic love, is actually I can't find that in the Bible. That, that mention of eros in the in the New Testament. So, uh, by the way, FYI. Um, and so, moving on, uh, there is you know, I had comments on all that. So we talked about the power of God's love is enough, and uh, then how we need uh, to have true forgiveness. Um, and I'm kind of, when we dealt with the power of God's love, we saw that God's love is powerful enough to conquer fear and the love exists without the need for response, though it is appreciated. And God's love exists because God exists and is eternal. And we talked about how many passages in scripture reveal the power of God's love, but some of the most simple and common are some of the most powerful. All right. And, uh, then, Moving on through these verses. And if you miss some blanks, I think this will, I'm going slow enough. You can probably fill them all up. Um, uh, And then we saw that God, uh, let's see, the power of God's love is enough to reconcile uh, the breach of sin. And uh, um, then we saw true forgiveness. I didn't take as long on that. Moving on. True forgiveness. Means we release people from their debts, offenses, and put them out of sight. And uh, that's Lord's Supper is coming up on the thirtieth, so you want to make sure that you are doing that. Uh, and we talked about how Jesus bore the guilt and uh, the guilt, shame, and punishment that we should have borne for our sins, because He's a gracious God and He has forgiven us all trespasses. Uh, I'm going to skip through these verses; we've covered all those. Uh, and then the Lord's Supper is an important remembrance. So I probably talked too much about that. Uh, and then, um, of course, some of the things the Lord would have us to remember about him during the Lord's Supper. We talked about that and how our sins are buried in a sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that nice to know? And then the last thing is common questions and practical outworking of forgiveness. Um, you know, just practically happen, what happens when I forget, uh, but I cannot Or I forgive, but I cannot forget. Isn't that practical stuff? We often forgive, but we don't forget. All right, so that brings us to where we are tonight. And so, um, true repentance. Uh, let's, let's start by defining repentance. I think that's a good idea. Uh, in the scripture, the word used for repentance means reversal of decision, right? It's, uh, you often hear us talk about, uh, you know, turning around or changing. It's a reversal. Uh, of, of a decision and that, that is a good that is a good um um definition another another definition that we've had from at heartland here from the first day until now and you'll see it if you go through our how to disciple class uh is repentance is a change of heart and mind that produces a change of life so our first goal of disciple or of our, what we hope we see in discipleship one is that a change of heart and mind that produces a change of life that's how you know People are saved um, because their heart and mind are changed and their life becomes changed. There becomes evidence of that fruit of the Spirit. All right, so the way uh, we have defined it here at HBF is as I just said it, right? Uh, So, um, and so repentance is necessary for salvation. And if we don't realize our righteousness is as filthy rags and change our heart and mind about being justified by our own works, or self-righteousness and trust uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work, we cannot be saved. Uh, that's a pretty big deal, right? And so repentance is, is, uh, is necessary, uh, not just for salvation, but also in our daily lives. So repentance isn't just like something that happens when you get saved. Repentance is a really a disposition of our heart, a willingness to yield our heart to God's instruction and correction, right? So that we can go his way and not our own way. So uh, we often have to change our mind. And also uh, it's not always a thing of obedience, disobedience. Sometimes God, a repentance uh, comes because uh, God wants to redirect his ways and he wants us to go a different direction for some other reason. And so uh, we need to be flexible in that and let God be God. Repentance is not necessarily spiritual in and of itself either. Sometimes we over, well, Calvinists really over spiritualized repentance, um, and uh, people can repent of a lot of things as they have a change of heart or mind and modify their decision uh, and ensuing actions. So not all repentance has to do with a Holy Ghost change of heart and mind, right? There's people that can, can you know, you can repent of anything, right? Uh, you can decide one day you're smoking Marlboro and then repent and so say, I'm going to quit smoking Marlboro. You can do all that without the benefit of the Holy Ghost. I mean, so that's just a change of heart and mind that changes his life. So, so that's where you, you gotta be careful, especially in today's common, today, the issue, and this was a big deal here at Heartland a few years back, people were so twisted around the axle over repentance as if it, it, it in and of itself is salvation. All repentance is, is a description of the condition of the heart. Salvation is Jesus. His name means salvation. You don't have salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Repentance is a condition of the heart at salvation meaning our heart and mind is changed so that we can indeed receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our soul. If we don't have a heart that is repentant and a mind that's repentant, uh, then we're going to continue in our sin. Uh, And so that's why it's so important at salvation. But though repentance starts in the heart and mind, there is typically an outward manifestation of that inward decision. Uh, and that's also a part of, a, of that. That's why it's a change of heart and mind that does produce a change of life. And it's also appropriate to say it's a, re, it's a reversal of decision because it is. it can just be something that is internal. But inevitably, if you make a decision internally, it will affect externally the other things that you do, right? There will be evidence of that. And so I know this is really fundamental stuff. It's basic, but I've seen how people can get really messed up over the basics and the devil will use that too. So let's look at some scripture. In First uh, Thessalonians one nine, the Bible says, "For they themselves show of us what manner of uh, entering, uh, entering in we had unto you, and how you turned unto God for miles to serve the living and true God." But I, I have another verse. I, I don't think it's. I must not. Let me see if it's. Oh, it's not in here, unless I went past it. No. Okay, you probably have in your sheet Matthew twenty one twenty eight. Is that reference on there? Okay, but open your Bibles. Do God, you know, God forbid we have to open our Bibles and look in the Bible itself. So look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter twenty-eight, and or I'm sorry, Matthew twenty-one, Matthew chapter twenty-one. Oh, they don't. Oh, the blanks don't match up. Okay, that's good to know. So. on yours who's tampered with hers okay it's magic all right Matthew 21 and verse 28 this is a really good passage it says but what think uh, but what think ye a certain man had two sons and he came to the first and said son go work today in my vineyard he answered and said i will not but afterward he repented and went uh, this is really one of the better examples that you're going to see of, of in the Bible of definitions. I know Pastor Steve, whenever he wants, someone wants to talk Bible repentance, he often will take them here because it really does give you in the Bible an example of what repentance is, right? So these two sons, you know, both uh, had their own will and way. And, uh, but the one, they both said the same thing, right? Um, and, uh. And they said, no, I'm not going to do it. So when he changed his mind and went, right, it wasn't just changing his mind. Someday I'm going to go back and do what dad wanted me to do. It's like, no, when he went and did it. So it was a change of heart and mind that, and also changed his feet. And then he went and did it. So that was repentance. It's a pretty good example. The decision to go was followed with action. He went and entered the vineyard as he his dad initially wanted him to. So that's repentance. Good example. Um, so when Christians repent, there is an outward expression of their inward faith, as we see here in this verse, right? So when Christians repent, there's an outward expression of their inward faith. Uh, now, is anybody messed up on the, the the blanks and the lines? Let me just, in case I need to go back and straighten any of that. Okay. And so um, Paul could definitely, now this verse doesn't say um, repent. What word would what word are we be pointing to, though, that means the same thing? in verse nine for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and yeah and how you turned to god from idols to serve the living and true god you know so a few years ago somebody was like you know if you say the word turn that's a work and i'm like uh well first thessalonians 1 9 it doesn't say the word repent but it does say they turn you know to god from idols Right? That doesn't include, you know, probably taking the idols out of their house and throwing them away. It wasn't that they had to, that, that, that's, you know, what saved them. What saved them was faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work alone. The evidence of that is that they turned to God from idols. The idols were out. It didn't, they didn't, you, you, you can't serve God in idols. Right? So it's either God or idols. Make your decision. When the decision was made, the evidence of that it doesn't say here, but we know in the book of Acts, right? They took their idols and burned them, right? They took their ACDC album, went down. <laughs> I think somebody in here may have done that. I can't remember who. Yeah, all right, man. Way to go, Mark. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you're singing it Highway to Hell, you know, that stuff, man, that stuff's dark. You don't have to play it backwards when they're singing it forwards, you know. So uh, you just you just take that idol down and burn that burn that vinyl. We're getting old, man. Telling you, nobody even knows what vinyl is anymore. But um, anyhow, so there's you know evidence of salvation is manifest in action, and uh, but certainly the point of salvation is an internal decision and in a heart and uh, a heart transaction without a doubt. But there is outward evidence, and that is what is very clear from the scripture. So. Um, all right, so moving on, um, point B, let's talk about sin. Sin is the root reason of our need of repentance. And what's this got to do with body life? It's a lot to do with body life because, because all sin is a result of sinful choices. If not ours, it's the result of someone else's. Uh, and and so, so the sinful nature we possess, of course, initially um, is in our idemic our nature, and it runs contrary to the word of God. And as you all know, that's why little kids naturally will disobey. They, they don't just disobey because of a bad environment. They also disobey because they disobey. Because it's in their nature. It's edemic uh, from Adam. When we say edemic, we mean Adam's sin, sinful fallen nature. And we're all predisposed to sin, and we know that. If you're born again, you're convicted of that because your flesh still is predisposed to sin. So we wrestle that every day. And so, um, and so sin is the result of of uh the sinful choices right when we choose to do what we know we're not supposed to that is sin um and so first john five seventeen says uh very simple verse all unrighteousness is sin and there's a sin unto death uh, a sin not unto death right so not all sins have equal punishment but all sins um all of sin and falls short of the glory of God. So before a holy God it doesn't mean death. But from a practical some people get confused. what's that mean first John five seventeen? Not every sin has the same consequence. So jumping off a bridge is a, is a stupid sin. Yeah, that's a sin unto death. Also, this has a tribulation context because in the tribulation, if you take the mark of the beast, uh you know coming back from that. So, uh there is a sin unto death. You don't want to do it. Uh in the context of of, our, our, uh, of, the, of the New Testament and not looking forward to the tribulation period, the, the, sin, the sin unto death would be not to, take, not to receive the gospel, right? Uh, you can't afford to, to forsake receiving the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to ensure that you're going to spend eternity in hell, just, just make sure that you reject Jesus' shed blood and you don't receive the gift of eternal life. And you will certainly face death, not just physical death, but eternal death separated from God in like a fire for all of eternity. And so there's a lot of people right now that are actually, that's kind of the road they're on. I mean, they get offended. They don't, they're not offended that they sin. They're offended that you would dare offer them eternal life. You know, leave me alone. I'm going to go to hell and party with my friends. But no, you're not. You will go to hell, but you will not party with your friends. You will suffer, and it's a really bad place to be. And you think, no, this is all the hell I'm going to see. No, it's not. This is just the tip of the iceberg. So is it? Is my voice getting tinny? What's up with that, Ron? Oh, okay. That's cool. Swing low, sweet chariot. All right. Well, I my ears are honestly my ears are a little clogged, so I wasn't sure if it was that or me because I'm like, man, maybe my ears are getting funky. All right. So, um, any questions on First John five seventeen? I just kind of threw a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Oh, all all sin is a result of sinful choices, if not ours, the result of someone else's. Yeah, uh, sin. It is possible that uh, other people's sin affects you. I mean, so um, all sin is a result of sinful choices. Uh, and even if you haven't made this, the, the sinful choices of others do affect us, including children who were born into this world. Their parents' sin affects them. And we are all affected by demonic nature. Adam's sin affects all of us. And so, you know, you say, oh, I've never done anything wrong. But still, you have a sin nature. And that's. Because other people's sin affects people. There is a consequence to sin. And it's sad, and it's true. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, because he loves us. I saw a hand in a booth. Is that Ron? Oh, Jeff, yeah. About the sin of the dead, the situation in 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's Supper and somehow having fallen in the speech, does that qualify for us? Yeah, good, good, good. Yes, very good uh, reference. Jeff is saying 1 Corinthians chapter 11 there where Paul is given the, uh, the uh, admonition to people to take the Lord's Supper seriously and the unity of the body seriously. Else, right, you, you, if you don't, you could fall asleep like some have already done. So God reserves the right to uh, revoke your earthly privileges here. And, it, and he doesn't say because they're lost if anything the implication is because they're saved but they're not taking the 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 body seriously and the unity of the of the body and so it's possible and not only possible it's a very real issue as a pastor I'm like I, I literally like worry for sometimes for people that will like have bitterness in their heart and just keep coming to the Lord's supper I'm like man you know you need to deal with that cuz God does reserve the right to call you home and pluck you up. And so, yeah, Jeff, good good reference there. And that's a sin unto death. Uh, God reserves the right to pull you out. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Well, and the question is, what happens when somebody in the church partake, partakes of the Lord's Supper ignorantly and not really, really appreciating uh, the magnitude of what they're doing? I think is that accurate? Yeah. Then of course God typically would have grace. He reserves the right to do what He wants. But I mean, He obviously has grace. I know I didn't understand the Lord's Supper myself for years. I was taking it. Frankly, one of the reasons you, there's a one of the reasons Baptists don't overly Emphasize it is because we, we reject the notion of the Eucharist. Amen and amen, right? There's nothing about that that's biblical, it's demonic, it's coming out of hell, you know, so we don't, we don't, we do not worship the sun goddess and we are not about for, you know, taking a, taking a, a a Eucharist, a piece of Christ's body and eating it literally like some pagan so that we have eternal life until I guess it makes its way through our system. Whatever. I mean, it's just so wrong. There's so many wrong things about that that, that, that the church, and I say the church, I mean the Baptists in particular in America, uh, I think it, at times have almost minimized that as well, not wanting to get liturgical in the sense of like, you know, we're going to do this every week. Um, you know, it's off as you do it. We don't do it every week because we don't want to get ritualistic about it and get people in a mindset that, you know, I'm not right with God, I can't function right. So it is as off as you do it. So we're, we're sensitive to all of that. But I also think you can go so to the other stream where you're like, not really putting the weight on it. I mean, there's only two ordinances that we've been given, and that's and, they, and these are unifying ordinances, and it's, the, it's baptism and the Lord's Supper. And, of course, the new believer uh, is, is so important for, for biblical baptism, but uh, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, and to your point, uh, obviously God has a lot of grace. I think God has grace with entire churches, not just individuals. Um, and so, but I have seen that, you know, God seems to, even in church discipline, uh, and again, I, I sad to say I really wasn't taught a lot of this. Like in practicalities, I just kind of figured it out as I was becoming a pastor because of some sin issues in the church that i would experienced previous to coming to Harrisonville. Um, that, you know, hey, why don't we make the sending, you know, we send people out as missionaries. We send the church out each Sunday after church, go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? Uh, we come together and we celebrate baptism when people come in to the body. But there's also, and we celebrate sin of missionaries, but not in an ordinance situation. But I, I realize that like there's a maintenance thing here with the Lord's Supper. If The time in which we're observing the Lord's Supper is also a great benchmark for people to get their heart right. So as in pastoral counseling... Um, an example might be – and this is a true – I'll tell you a true story. I won't tell you the names, and nobody will know the characters probably because it's so long ago. This is before we were in this building. Uh, say a man is cheating on his wife. Let me see that. No, the wife – say the wife is cheating on her husband. doesn't really matter but for this story. And, and it gets discovered, right? It gets confronted, and they're members of the church, young baby Christians, been baptized or in the church. And I'm like, hey, um, how long am I going to wait here to make this decision, right, um, before she's booted out? Well, I don't want to just, I want to give her a space of repentance. So after talking with her and, and then she's like, yeah, I am cheating on my husband. And um, I really don't plan to repent. Okay. Well, then this lady, you're not really welcome at our church if you're going to continue in that attitude. So, because that's a reproach. The Bible doesn't give you that. You know, there was, it just doesn't give you liberty to be an adulteress. It just doesn't. And to continue in sin, oh, God forbid, how shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. I mean, that's anathema. Okay, so, but I don't tell the whole church this. It's none of the church's business because my hope is the lady repents. And and the husband will receive her. And so, husband's heartbroken, husband wants his wife, blah, blah, blah um and so i shouldn't say blah 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 i mean it's really serious stuff so but he's heartbroken he went, he he says he wants to be with his wife and this is in a rel- relatively i think we were doing lord's suppers probably quarterly at that time too so you know we're talking a three-month window whenever this stuff's going down so somewhere in a three-month window i'm like hey uh this is what we're going to do we're going to give your bride an opportunity to repent you want her to repent? I do want to repent. You'll receive her. I will. I love my wife. I'm like, oh man, praise God. This guy. Uh, I'm not sure. All, I'm not sure. So many guys would be like this. So praise God. There's hope. Let's pray. We're praying. And again, the church doesn't even know about this. But I, I, I we're coming up on the Lord's Supper, and uh, I remember I got a hold of this gal. I'm, I'm almost saying her name, but I don't want to say it. Um, and so I get a hold of this gal. Say, hey. Uh, Lord's Supper's coming up, you know, your deals with this dude, whatever. I've been praying that, you know, your life is a wreck and that you repent. <laughs> and uh, I just want you to know the Lord's Supper's coming up. And uh, at that point, uh, we're not going to hide this anymore. I'm going to let everybody know and that you are not welcome anymore at Heartland. Um, because you're in, you're in open adultery. That's a reproach. Um, and so you know, this is a few weeks before Lord's Supper. And so this lady calls me back, I don't know, days later, and she's just a wreck. I am so sorry, I repent. I want to. I'm like awesome. So talk to husband. and uh, oh well, uh, uh, okay, now, I don't expect him to just necessarily welcome her back with our open arms, but she's repentant. I mean, like moved out of the house, wants to move back in with husband. Uh, okay, and maybe they. Maybe, okay, I won't get into all the details, but maybe that's not able to be happening immediately. But let's try to work toward reconciliation. Okay, pastor. Okay, but I'm getting a feeling husband isn't nearly as loving as he was a few months earlier. What's going on now? Oh, guess what? Someone else wants to cheat, and not keep their vows. And so, so I, you know how that goes. So he, at length, the husband uh ended up being the one who peeled out because he really didn't want his wife the way he said he did and so uh the the wife repented came back to the church uh and it was another cycle i gave him the same ultimatum for the next cycle he did not repent and then uh he was he was gone so um that lady ended up uh being fine uh, they ended up divorcing unfortunately um he ran off with another gal feeling justified But it just kind of proved out. The point is the Lord's Supper and the fear of what Pastor Jeff was talking about. Really, on one of the people, it worked. (laughs) I mean, God really convicted him. (coughs) The other person, it didn't. And we're not talking about, I don't want my wife back and I'm mad. That's a whole different issue. That's not a churchable issue. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I'm full on just doing the same thing she did and I'm not going to repent. Oh, that's called adultery, pal. You're not even divorced. And so, uh, so you know, the Lord's Supper, that's when I really, it really set in on me. The Lord's Supper is a cleansing mechanism for the local New Testament church. And so uh, typically, if you're an adulteress or an adulterer in the house, you know, if you come to confess to me, I'm going to give you a window uh, to get it right. And because and, uh, it needs to get it right. Now, sometimes people church themselves, so I don't have to even go public. They just run off. And uh, never come back, so uh, in those cases, I don't always publicly say anything. I don't need to drag their business up if they' never if they weren't around much to start with, you know what I mean. Uh, in a case of a ch- church discipline matter, several years ago, a sister came in uh, and a uh, same situation, adultery. Um, and I didn't tell the church because she hadn't been to church in a long time, I wasn't going to like church discipline her because she kind of disciplined herself. I am just going to remove her name from the rolls privately, so to speak. Um, and when her, I think her her time was up. I mean, we got a, a certain window and just take her name off the rolls. She's not around here anymore. Everyone's going to know she divorced her husband. Anyway, no, no. So she comes to church and comes in the foyer and wants to tell everybody bye before she moves off with her lover. And uh, I'm like, no, no, no. That is exactly 1 Corinthians. That is exactly what we don't do. Uh, we don't we don't gloat in our sin, and that was unbelievable i couldn't believe that actually occurred and so I had a good talk with her the good news about this story um, after after doing unfortunately that couple did divorce and and that was too much sin for that marriage to bear unfortunately for them but um she did repent and and came here and met with me and confessed it and and asked my forgiveness. And church's forgiveness and uh, has moved on and is another local church and so on and so forth. I won't we'll get into all the details. But praise God. So there's, there's it's not ideal, but it is still the Spirit of God works. And so it's important, I think, that I use the Lord's Supper as, you know, sometimes it's a great time to celebrate the people who have come in. And sometimes that's a great time to point out the people that uh, are not with us. And any time that happens, it's never because we don't want people with us, by the way. It's because we want them to repent and get restored. It's never like, oh, we hate these people. Get them out of here. No, we love these people, but God tells us to turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that their soul can be spared while their body gets destroyed. They're just going to be hell-bent on living for Satan then just go do it, but don't do it connected to us because we all interact together and your stinky sin affects all of us. It's not fair to the rest of the body. So if you're going to live like hell, and the devil and the pigs go do that over there, but we're going to try to keep this pen, this this, this pen, clean, right? And because uh, this is a sheep pen, not a pig pen, right? And that's in essence what that's what the Lord's Supper kind of does. It's help remind us, hey, this is a sheep pen. We all got some sheep stuff that we got to deal with, you know. I mean, every every day and every every quarter or whatever, ever often as we do it, there's always sheep stuff. But if you just want to continue in the pig lot. That's not that's not this lot, right There's a point where we, we just we just blow the whistle you obviously don't know you're a lamb, but uh, and you think you're a pig, okay, well then go be a pig somewhere else, and that's kind of how if you want to live with the pigs, go live with the pigs. We pray that that lasts a short time, and you understand like the prodigal, right, and you come to the end of yourself and you come home when you do, the father's going to be right there, he'll run to you. Because of what we're talking about, getting back to this issue of repentance, is that there will be a genuine change of heart and and, and mind. And man, it's like Paul, Second Corinthians, uh, chapter five, I believe. He's like, hey, you judged it good with me, man. He's good with you, good with me. Let's. Oh, and as a matter of fact, be super gracious to this fellow, so he's not f- swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So God God forbid that we sit around and bring people's past up and beat him over the head with it all the time. That's not the goal. It is not. God forgives. We just talked about that, right? And so, praise God for forgiveness. And we've been forgiven, so we extend it. It's actually about people just being in the will of the Lord and glorifying God, and also having the benefits of that in their life. We want to have, want to see them have that power in their life. This is. I hope this is good discussion. It, It it does have to do with repentance, and it even has to do with sins unto death, because if you just continue to live like a pig long enough. God is not obligated to to keep you alive or bring you back to the sheep pen. He might just go ahead and slay you right there in the pig pen, and uh, that's where it ends. And uh, he'll take it up at home. The way I look at that, too, uh, along this subject that kind of helped me process this is just a mother-father relationship, like in a household of faith uh, or any normal household, any – I say normal – any you know biblical household let's just say that even lost people can get this analogy so in a, in a good household there's a there, <laughs> this is crazy that people don't get this anymore because genders are messed up and everything but once upon a time children there was a man and a woman anyway so uh, <laughs> and so in a normal household in a biblical modeled household you have a husband and a wife right and then you got the children and so you know, Dad's doing whatever Dad's do, and and Junior uh, or Mrs. is giving Mom grief, and Mom puts up with a lot of stuff, you know, but there's a point where Mom just can't take it anymore. Like Junior or, or Sally or whoever is, you're you're messing with the the, the household here, Junior, right? Now that, you're you're messing up with the other kids. You're mess. This is getting to be too much. So here it comes. When your Dad gets home, right? So then you're, you're kicking this thing up to another level. Because Junior's gotten so so on, on mom's nerves so much now. Mom is like saying, I don't really have any other recourse at this point. I'm done dealing with you. I'm handing you over to the father. And then when he gets home, you know, and back, you know, back in the good old days, everyone knew what that meant. Now today it's a whole other deal. But back in the good old days, when mom said, wait until your dad gets home, so that meant something. That meant like you don't want that. Because dad, he just don't care. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear about giving mom a hard time because dad likes wants to know that you're treating his wife good while he's gone. And if he finds out when he gets home you haven't been treating mama right, well, you are in big trouble. And uh and so in the church, that's kind of what I, there's times when that's basically what happens. There's no we don't really We are not Romans 13. We don't have any. I can't arrest anybody. Come to your house, putting you in cuffs. Right. That ain't going to happen. You know, you're beating your wife. I'm calling the police because they do have the power to arrest you. That's what needs to happen. And so. Now, the laws don't do it. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway. (laughs) So. But my point is, is that, you know, there has to be. As a church, we only have we're kind of our hands are tied. Right. I can't. I can only do what the Bible tells me I can do in regard to discipline and so on. I can I can tell people they're not welcome so that the devil can have them, but that's about it. If a, if a child decides that, you know what, that's really in essence like a, a mother saying, I don't know what else to do with you. You're, you're, you're being so belligerent to the rules of the house. I'm turning you over to your father. Now, we're turning them over to Satan, but in essence, they're dealing with the father. And God's allowing them to... I mean, that our protective hand is off of you at that point. You are on your own. You want to be on your own? Okay. Then our hand's off. That's between Satan and the father. And however the father chooses to let Satan deal with you is between you two. You three. (laughs) I should say rather. Because mama has just been replaced by Satan. And if that's who you want to go with, then see how it goes for you. Because he will not treat you as good as he promises. And he has deceived you. And that's in essence what happens. As you replace the church with Satan. That's not a good decision. But it happens often. So. uh, And oh by the way. A lot of churches by the way. Don't even do church discipline. So it's a a point there. They just let anything go when the whistle blows. So they basically mix the sheep. And the pigs. And that's. That's the church in the USA today, you know, sheep and pigs all mixed together in one big old, big old uh, messy mess. So praise God. All right. Moving on. All right. So um, I think I covered that. So point two, repentance occurs when we recognize and agree that we have sinned against God and God alone. <laughs> right. So we we quit being a, a victim Um we quit being uh you know, finding excuses and we just say, Okay, God, I, I own this. Um Psalm fifty one. Let's look 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 at Psalm fifty one. I put that up here. And I really like verse 4, but let's just walk through this. There's times in my life where I've just literally, if, you, if you're in a place where you really are in repentance and you, and you, and you maybe even have guilt, you know, I've I got little tricks I use when I disciple people where I encourage them to write all the sin down and, and you know, tear it up or uh, the things that are troubling you. So you can discern between conviction, which is specific, and, and just generalized guilt. Like, I just don't feel right, which is an emotion, not just specific things that you need to repent of. Okay, so having done that, another good thing to do is when you get to Psalms 51 is just read through this and, you know, and just deal with, you know, how David is praying here. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. You know, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And this is Old Testament. This isn't even New Testament, but we have that. I mean, we are washed in the blood. Um, for I, I, but this attitude of I, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And verse four gets to the, the thrust of the matter here. Against thee, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Now, in the matter of Bathsheba and Nathan confronting David, is God the only one that's impacted by David's sin? Of course not. So David isn't saying my sin is not grievous and affecting, like my child that died or my, uh, my the nation of Israel, because certainly it is. But he's letting God know my offense is against you, Lord, and it is. All of our sin really is an offense to God. I think when you think about the judgment seat of Christ and you think about the great white throne for sure, because there's no advocate of the great white throne. But ultimately, we'll see the consequence of sin, and uh, and and it's and it's and really how it affects God that'll break our hearts. Um, but anyway, um, so he says that thou mayest mightest, mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, verse five: I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me, which is all of us. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. And then verse 10, and this this is a great prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Man, those are things that we can still ask God to do. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy holy spirit from me. In verse eleven, doctrinally in the New Testament, God cannot take His holy spirit from us because our soul is sealed into the day of redemption. Um, but you know what? We do want we we want to have the joy of our salvation. You can lose joy, you can lose um, assurance. Lord, restore the assurance. Give me the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Right. Um, restore unto, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Like restore to me the, what it felt like to know I was forgiven. <sighs> you ever lose that feeling, that loving feeling of knowing what it was like to be forgiven because you're swallowed up with guilt and shame? I don't know anything about it. No, we all. I think most of us do, right? Because we fall short, even as New Testament Christians and all of that, walking in the Spirit. There's days we're just like, man. And so, man, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know, First John speaks a lot about our joy. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Lord, give me liberty. Then will I teach transgressors. Give me hope that I can be restored and usable. And even my repentance, right, even my disobedience can be used as a lesson. God still uses David's disobedience as a lesson. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Right, I want to go back to doing your mission, Lord. Put me back on mission. I haven't been discipling. I haven't been leading people to Christ. I haven't been witnessing because I'm walking in the flesh. Oh God, give me doors of utterance. Help my heart be focused back on what you called me to be and do, so that I'm, I'm I know I'm in your will. When you're out witnessing to people, you just can't like do that. In the, you can't do it in the flesh, but you're gonna feel good about it, right? But when you you feel good about it, when you're walking in the Spirit, and you know it because it's one of those hard things that we need to do. Rather, it's not even about where you go and what you do, just do it, and God gets the glory. And, uh, and so, get me back out where I'm teaching transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee. Deliver me from, the, from blood guilt guiltiness, O God. Uh, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Lord, there's nothing I can do to cover this. Uh I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do. Uh, what's that? Uh, I'm not gonna beat myself up, right? Get, become an ascetic, or I'll just do 500 jumping jacks for you, and then you'll forgive me. You know, no, you're just gonna have sore feet. So, uh Lord, there's nothing I can do. I'm just gonna come to you. Uh, the sacrifices of God here it comes are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Now that has to do with repentance, right? It's a, it's an issue of the heart and mind, the spirit. <coughs> Uh, o oh God, thou wilt not despise. And the Bible says that in several references, right? Broken and contrite heart, God, he will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and uh, whole burnt offerings. Then uh, shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So that's a great chapter to just, if you're dealing with, uh, sin and repentance and just a prayer back to god you know obviously you got to put some of that in the biblical context but uh, it's, that's old testament and we're in the new testament but the heart of that prayer works in any dispensation it's a genuine repentant desire to be right with god and so uh, i just really love that passage how many of you've read that before okay probably two-thirds of you so if you haven't that's that's something new add it to your repertoire and uh and keep that close and handy all right, let's talk about point C. So point C, it's important to, that uh, it's important that we do uh, wallow in sin. Um, that should be don't. Wallow in sin, but get back up and continue forward in faith. Yours says do, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be don't. Uh, that should be don't. That's a typo. Sorry, guys. I should have had that fixed. Um, it's important that we wallow in sin. No, <laughs> it's a don't wallow in sin. Oh, boy. Uh, So wallowing in guilt and shame over sin is not genuine repentance. Uh, That's guilt and shame. Uh, That's not what we need to do. So true repentance recognizes God's ability to cleanse our wretched sin and grant us pardon and forgiveness. That requires faith. So it's really an issue of faith, believing what the Word of God says about your sin and Jesus' sufficiency. Wallowing in your sin and just, oh, woe is me, I'm a sinner, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a point of pride in that at some point there's a lack of faith i mean have why haven't you availed yourself for the grace of god at this point come on come on now believe the bible confess your sin he is faithful and just forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness why, why are we still wallowing in this thing are you wanting to be a victim are you not believing what jesus, jesus christ sacrifice not enough How strong do you think you think your sin is better than Jesus? I mean, come on, man. Get your head in the game and realize that God didn't create you to live in this in this guilt. Get up and serve him. Get up and go forward. So uh, we may hate our flesh and the results of feeding it, but we cannot afford to do penance to pay off our sin debt. And the devil will get Baptist caught in penance more than any Roman Catholic. I mean, I got to work at the church every day. I got to be there. And there's nothing wrong with being here. But you're, I mean, the reason for that is what to pay off a sin debt. Your sins already been forgiven. We don't serve God out of obligation. We serve God out of gratitude. There is a big difference. And there probably are several and even in our church today that are serving God out of obligation. Um, You know, and we really got to serve him out of gratitude. Like, oh, I, I have to do this because he did that for me. Frankly, you don't have to do anything. Because it's all covered, and he doesn't even need you. We do it because he loves us, and he gave us his son. I mean, we are doing this because <clears throat> he loves us, and he's forgiven us. We're free. Let's go. Let's serve him out of gratitude, not of obligation. You'll never earn his love. You can't. He loves you unconditionally. He just loves you because he loves you. It's not because of what you do for him. Well, maybe if I clean the church ten times, he'll love me more. No, he'll love you more if you don't cleanse the church. You should do the church. You should cleanse the church because... It honors God glorifies God. You want to see people get saved. You want to be a good example and you're just grateful You're going to be in heaven You see what i'm saying? There's a difference Um, and so sometimes we get we get caught up in this penance That we're going through like a roman catholic, you know, like we're trying to pay off sin debt And so our sins forgiven It's forgiven We interact with god and one another out of a attitude of gratitude so you guys know these verses, so I'll throw them up here real quick. If we confess our sins, plural, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, obviously, his finished work takes care of our sin. We talked about that, and in our, in our sin nature is covered. But it is good for us to confess our sins and take a, keep a short account with God, right? Keep our heart and our mind, our conscience clean, and acknowledge, you know what, Lord? My flesh is getting a hold of me. Forgive me for my sins of this, that, or the other thing. Give me grace. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy, right? And we want to see the mercy of God. Continuing in sin that grace may abound, Paul says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein, right? So positionally, you are dead to sin. So practically, just say, man, Lord, I'm dead to sin, but my flesh sure loves it, so forgive me for allowing it to have control because it doesn't need control because I can't walk in the Spirit even though I tell myself I can't. Forgive me for my faithlessness. And then get, if you want to do any penance, get back in the Word of God and claim the promises of God's Word, and, and then that will give you the faith that you need to walk in the Spirit. Um, okay, let's move on to point number two because we've got to get done here. Repentance is never a bad thing when we're choosing God's will over sin. So 2 Corinthians 7, uh, ninth, yeah, it's not a bad thing. but it's, it's weird. We can... <laughs> It's weird how you can argue over repentance being a bad thing, but it happens somehow. Second Corinthians seven nine says, Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but by but you sorrow to repentance. So you can be sorrow, sorrowful without being repentant. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage um, by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but sorrow of the of the world worketh death. So you can be sorrowful. And have a, a salvation experience based on a repentant heart. Uh, or you can be sorrowful and have a repentance that work death. And so um, that's an interesting thing. So there are some who see repentance as a work that nullifies God's grace in the believer's life. That's exactly the opposite of what true repentance is. Repentance is a decision of heart that allows grace to overcome the works of the flesh. Whereas there is obviously a sorrow that is not godly, and that would be a sorrow that laments being caught, not the loss of fellowship that's associated with sin. All right? So there's a, there's a sorrow unto death. It just leaves you in your sin. It's just, I got caught. I am so sorry I got caught. Anybody ever know folks like that? If you've had kids, you know as a parent that is a sorrow unto i got caught that is not a sorrow unto salvation so that affects the way things get dished out um so um so yeah so for us as believers you know we have the same relationship but we have a relationship with god and we want to say we want to really have a repentance you know that that uh is a decision of heart that allows grace to overcome the works of the flesh and and so Easier said than done. You know, these things are easy in concept, but in our life it doesn't always work out so easy. The third thing is godly repentance gives us grace to go forward. And you can imagine just when you take all the members in particular, if we're not dealing with our sin individually, then how that affects everybody collectively and corporately. You get a little prickly. So Philippians chapter 3, and going forward is important. Philippians three thirteen, the Bible says, "Brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You see, if Paul was just dealing with the law, he'd be murdered for murdering." not murdered he'd be executed for murdering let me state that properly if paul was just under the paul was under grace so he could forget i mean he didn't like literally forget the stoning of stephen but in essence he put that under the blood of christ and then he went forward he didn't allow that to just bog him down forever i can't believe i was in charge of persecuting the church oh my gosh it's so terrible it's paul reckoned with that on the road to damascus lord what wilt thou have me to do It didn't take him very long in his heart to get that straightened out. Uh, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. Okay, then, what do you want me to do? Because God reserved the right to just kill him right then. Right? You you killed my boy, Stephen. You've been persecuting my church. It's so hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I've just been messing with your heart, Paul, because I'm bigger than death. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to use you to give people life. I'm going to use you as an example. Sir, yes, sir. Uh, can I do that with eyes or do I gotta do this thing blind? <laughs> You're on even no basis, son. Just go to the next town and I'll let you know, right? And so, uh, you know, that's how it went with Paul. He was on need no basis and just God gave him the next step. So by the time we get to Philippians, he's like, man, I, I forget those things that are behind. I press forward toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So if we're going to be complete, right, which is perfect, that's the mindset we got to have. You have to be able to put things in the past. And go forward in faith. Because if you can't deal with sin and, and biblical repentance, you're not going to be free to go forward in faith. You're going to be bound with guilt. And you'll be doing penance. And that's not going to get anything. That's not going to get traction. That's not going to get grace in the kingdom of God. We need some grace. And uh, and so uh, and it's going to be hard to express uh, the forgiveness of Christ when, you're, when you yourself really aren't living it. And you're going to disciple that into people. We don't need that Disciple into people. Uh, we, need to, we need to have grace for sure. So selfish and self-willed and carnal Christians um, <clears throat> will often uh, feel stuck, like they're not able to get out of the mire of emotion, disappointment, and discouragement that they have toward others typically. This is a sure sign that they have not been honest with God about the sin in their own life. It's it's not uncommon for those who feel stuck to blame others for the wickedness and sin in their own heart to justify further distance from the will of God. So why they think that they are running from their problems, they are simply running to a new place or a new relationship or circumstances that will lead them right back where they started. And this is a waste of time, and the adversary knows it. And that's all he's doing is wasting their time and their life. He's elated to see us waste our time running from sin instead of dealing with it in a genuine repentant way. So when God chastens us, we should thank him because it means he loves us and he's helping us redeem the time for the days are evil. For he says in Hebrews twelve ten, for verily for a few days uh, uh, chastened us after their own pleasure, talking about our parents, but he, God, for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Uh, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest uh, that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be, but let it rather be healed. And so, uh, what a great admonition for us, right, to uh, continue in um, forgiveness, in essence, and to. Uh, be an encouragement to others as we get encouragement from the Lord through the forgiveness that he offers us. So once we address our sin in a genuine repentant way, we experience a liberty that refreshes our soul and gives us grace to go forward in God's will and help others and accomplish God's mission. And so that's very important because there is a healing, right? We have been healed by his stripes we're healed, right? So we are whole, but we don't always act like we're whole. So we just, that's what we got to deal with It's like, hey, Lord, I'm not really fulfilling what you've done in my life. Like, my, my position isn't matching my practice. So God, forgive me for that part. There's all kinds of details in that, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, we're falling short of, of God's glory. Now that you're born again, there's no reason to fall short of God's glory. That's what we've got to repent of. All right. So let's talk about conclusion and do a little contemplation. We'll be done. Uh, so true love, uh, forgiveness, and repentance can only come from Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So let's evaluate our lives in light of what we have learned and consider the following questions in our lives. All right, so we'll just do a little bit. I think I put these up here. Yeah. Did I put that on your notes? Okay. So do we love one another the way God intends us to love? If not, why not? And I would say, I mean, I, if I was being honest, I don't love the way God wants me to love all the time. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. You will be tested on this, like, all the time. Like, daily. Daily. And man, it's not always easy. You really get a feeling for how much God loves people when you're in that in that position where you're like, "Wow, Lord, you want me to love on this person," and I'm really tired and I want to go to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so He'll test you on that. Uh, is there a person or or people in your life that you you know need the love of God? Uh, and practically, can you name them? Can you pray for them? Right? Not talk talk about them i mean like pray for them that's a loving thing to do is interceded for them so so that kind of tells you some of the people you need to be praying for you know my boss he is such a jerk okay so uh i'm i'm not doubting your testimony and your witness you could probably get a whole room of witnesses so let's just let's okay that's great that's true i'm not i'm not even saying that's sinful you're that's just an objective opinion now what are we doing to love them well, love them. That's, that person, I didn't say you had to go take them to dinner. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe you can't do that. You can pray for them. You can pray for people that are unlovable. Right? I, I have found when it comes to politics, it's a shame. I pray more for the, the people I don't like than I do the people that I do like. You ever found that out? It's sad. It's, it's a, that's a reproach. But when there's people in places that I really don't like, I pray a lot for them, which is a good thing, by the way. But what the convicting thing is I, I'm like, why don't I pray more when somebody else – I don't know. Anyway, uh, we, should, but we should learn to pray for our enemies for sure. Uh, is there a person in your life that, that you have refused to forgive even though God has forgiven you of all your sin? Now, that doesn't mean you fellowship, Right? Uh, I've been amazed at that though. I, I, Amy and I had a good friend who was molested by a parent. I won't get into the details. I don't want anybody to know who they are. But I, I tell you what, guys, it was hard for me to forgive them. Like, it wasn't even my sin and my situation or my wife, but it was my sister and the Lord. But man, you know what? This this uh, person was so forgiving that um, they invited him to church and sat with him and loved on him, and I was like, wow, okay. That's God right there, that's God doing that. That's a lot of love going on there. doesn't mean they're invited over to play with the grandkids, but anyway that's a, that's a lot of love. so anyway, if there's someone in your life that you've refused to forgive, what I would encourage you to do is write their name down um, and and if if possible, even extend forgiveness to someone. That even you haven't considered to be your enemy in the past. And, and and please ask God for the grace to extend forgiveness even if you can't offer fellowship. You can't extend forgiveness to people that you don't fellowship with. And maybe you shouldn't fellowship with even, right? So just because you forgive them doesn't mean the judgment's off. It just means you forgive them. In some ways it means the judgment could be greater. <laughs> It might be a millstone around their neck, so it gives you even more compassion. If extending forgiveness in a, is a particular problem in your heart, you cannot resolve it before the next Lord's Supper. You probably ought to seek counsel. Right? If there's if there's something just holding you back, I, I, I mean, I know what that's like to be like angry in your core, like you want to choke someone's life out, angry. Um, man, that's not cool. Holy Ghost, will deal with you on that. you won't be doing the Psalm 51, teaching transgressors thy ways and sinners being converted. I'm not saying God won't use you, but he's not going to use you like you could be used if you keep hanging on to bitterness. Eventually, that root's going to spring up and defile others. You will become the person you hate. Don't let it happen. Deal with that sin. Process it. And I know that for some of these things, it's not easy, like like some of these examples I'm using. So I'm not saying... You even got to feel good about all that stuff. But you do need to deal and reckon with the things that trip you up. If you can be emotionally yanked around by the devil at his will, you need to deal with that. And, and take that out of his arsenal and, and say, you know, that's all under the blood. I'm moving forward. That's the past. And uh, take that up with, with God. So are there sins and trespasses or attitudes you have genuinely repented of, but the guilt seems to plague you? Like, they're, they're under the blood. Um, oh, point four. I got ahead of myself. Is there anything in your life God's pointing out that needs to be repented of? Of course, that's something we can do immediately. You don't even have to wait till the message is over. Just do it. Uh, are there sins, trespasses, or attitudes you genuinely repented of, but the guilt seems to plague you? This is more common, uh, I think, oftentimes uh, with good-hearted people. Here are some things that you can do to help realize... The sufficiency of God's power over sin. Uh, I don't think I put them down here. I didn't. So write them down. I've already mentioned this. Uh, write that recurring attitude, action, uh, or regret down that you can't seem to yield to God. And then pray Psalm 51 over it as we've already read this, this evening. And once you've sincerely prayed and trusted that the scripture, what the scripture says about God's sufficiency to forgive, then, uh, I would recommend taking that list and destroying it. That's so what's in our discipleship lesson, too, isn't it, on dealing with sin. And take that list and burn it, destroy it, uh, do whatever you need to do, tear it up, flush it down the toilet, uh, whatever makes you feel good. And cast that thing as far as the east is from the west, believing that God is, is – is, is, just believe what the word of God says about it. It is forgiven. Uh, and because if we're not right with God, this is, what, this is what boils down to body life. This is why it's important. If you're not right with God on these matters, you're not going to be right with others. It will affect the way you interact. It'll affect the way you interact in your family. It will affect the way you interact in your church family. It'll affect the way you interact with people at work. You know, that's why people that aren't saved medicate. That's why people that are saved medicate with things they shouldn't. But, you know, that's all about changing how you feel. Instead of letting God help you process those feelings that, biblically. So make sure you, you are taking account for sin and dealing with it so that you can interact in a healthy way with the body of christ and you can get to that passage in, in uh, psalm 51 where god is te- using you now in spite of the sin of your past to teach sinners uh, and transgressors the ways and sinners will be converted right you want to see fruit in your life the fruit of the spirit god's holy spirit so the truth is you're you've already been forgiven so the issue is why haven't we forgiven others and and that's really – it's hard to not forgive others when you really reckon with how much you have been forgiven. And that's a matter of faith. Um, and so, okay, that concludes our uh, our teaching on that. So the primary purpose of this lesson is to teach us that we have been called to fulfill the Great Commission through this local New Testament church. And that's why we've gone through the, this study. I hope this has been good. I think I've had a lot of positive feedback, actually, I was more than I would have expected. Um, so we'll, we'll do some – we have some other topics around the corner, and I'll let you know which ones are coming up next. Uh, we have some short ones like uh, dispensations. i got to get that in. Jan Smith will want to be here for that. Uh, we do that every year, just a one-night dispensations uh, course. But um, we're going to do some QA. we got lots of time for QA this year, which is, is good. Uh, so we'll have a season of QA, question answer, for those of you that don't know what QA is. Uh, it's not quality assurance. That's, you've been at work too long. So this QA is question answer. Um, but we will do that with some quality assurance, I promise. So um, we'll be having that. Any questions on the, and anything we cover tonight? I still, I still have five minutes. What a blessing. Alright, well let's, uh, if there's no questions, remember those that we had on the prayer list? Uh, this coming, it's gonna be a busy weekend coming up, but be praying for the might, King's mighty men. Um, and then, um, uh, for those of you that are on the uh, ministry leader team, we'll have a, a Sunday meeting at, at four o'clock. I almost said three o'clock, four o'clock, uh, five o'clock will be pastors meeting six o'clock will be on normal church service on Sunday night, Sunday morning. We'll be back on, of course, uh, at nine and 1030 had a great turnout at Easter, um, had several to follow up, uh, on. And so just be praying about those that need to make decisions, um, and, uh, and, and there's some, you know, already talking about joining our church and all that. But I just just pray that God gets everyone connected and directed, discipled, and uh, we continue to build the body of Christ the way God wants us to. So did you guys enjoy Vision Conference? I had good feedback on that. I've had some that's, that, that bell's been ringing in some people's hearts, so I'm praising God. Keep praying that God uses that uh, and that we continue to build uh, on what God is doing uh, in the next day's weeks and years uh, to come as god continues to fulfill his will uh, another prayer request i